In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, we thank Allah for His coming and His intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Farad Muhammad, the great Mahdi. We thank Him for His coming and raising up in our midst the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, the Messiah. I am very happy to greet all of you with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. It's always a pleasure and a great privilege to have the opportunity to address the people of God. You may not want to believe it. You may not want to even hear it but you are the people of the divine supreme being he has chosen you not because you're so righteous but he has chosen you because your suffering was really undeserved and your suffering was designed long before you were born to prepare you to do a service for God and for the whole of humanity. He said that he would choose the foolish things of this world that we are. He said he would choose the despised and the rejected that we are. He said he would choose the lost sheep that we are. He said he would choose the bottom rail that we are. So if he said he would do all these things and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said he not only said he would do it but now he has come in person and he said, you will be my people and I will be your God. Well, what more then do we need to rise up and overturn the conditions that white America has enforced upon us and that our ignorance allows to continue? My subject today is titled, really it's taken from the headline of the Final Call newspaper, A Call for Unity, A Call for Unity. There would be no need to call for unity if we were in fact united but because we are so divided, which keeps us powerless, it is necessary for a call to be issued to come into unity. But the call has to be answered in order for unity to become a reality. Now, when the people are so fragmented as we are, it takes more than just a call 
It takes the help of Almighty God, Allah. So Allah says in the Quran, and you were on the brink of a pit of fire, and I saved you from it, and I united your hearts, and you became brethren. That is such a beautiful verse of scripture. What is it teaching us? It is teaching us, first of all, that we are not brothers because we are black. So many of us think that because we are all black people, that that is sufficient to be brothers and sisters. Not so. Allah says, you were on the brink of a pit of fire. What is the pit of fire? <clears throat> right now, black people are being set up for a serious attack by the forces of this world. I turned on my television and I saw Luke Skywalker of the two live crew on television explaining the filth of his approach to rap and explaining why he calls women out of their names. I saw some of our own sisters who have given themselves a name of female dogs with problems. And as I looked at that, I said the enemy is putting our people before the world to show the people of the world how filthy and low down we have become. On another show that the brother was on, he mentioned he was in Japan and he called some Japanese woman up out of the audience to partake in oral sex with him. And our brother was trying to justify it. And I called him brother because not that he is a brother, but he has the potential to become not only a brother, but a very good brother. But right now, he's a degenerate soul that needs, it seems, more than a talking to.
As a people, we have become so low down and filthy that it is very difficult for us to relate to one another on the principle of brotherhood. To keep us on television demonstrating our ignorance is justifying in the minds of an ever increasingly hostile white American public that black people should be done away with and they would be doing God and the world a favor by getting rid of such a degenerate group of human beings. The other day, a Saturday morning, I think it was Saturday morning, I turned on the television again and they had a program from prison interviewing convicts. because of their violence. This white television news reporter went into a prison and was interviewing four or five black brothers as though white people don't get involved in violence. And she was asking the brothers, how do you feel with um, a gun? How, how does a gun make you feel? And the brother said, the gun makes me feel invincible. And as I listen to my brother, and I say the word brother with quotes around it, he said, I, um, I rob, and sometimes I have to shoot them. He said, I was watching a man one day, he rode up in his Cadillac car, but he said it with hatred that a black man could have a Cadillac. He was at the gas station in some kind of car himself, but he was watching the brother. And the brother pulled out a wad of money and gave the money to the attendant for the gas, put the rest of the money back in his pocket, and he said he rolled up on the man with his gun in his hand. He said, give me your money. He said, and I... The man said he ain't giving me nothing. And because he was so bold, I shot him. I shot him. He thought more of that money than he thought of his life. I shot him. Now, how do you think white America is viewing us through the eyes of our representatives that they are putting on national television. White America is saying these are animals. 
And anything that happens to a mad dog, nobody cares, even though the dog is man's best friend, they say. But if the dog goes mad, anybody that kills the mad dog is doing society a favor. And this is the way we, as a people, are being portrayed on national television by wise demons who know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it and we are playing into their hands because we are ignorant to their nature to the time and what must be done and this is why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is so important to your future. What is the real truth about your condition? Our condition. We have become a savage people. What is a savage? A savage is a person who has lost the knowledge of himself or herself and is living the life of a beast. Anytime a black woman can get on television and call herself a female dog with problems and justify it. And anytime a man can say, I didn't make them women take off their clothes. They want to show their backside. I, I didn't make them do it. So don't blame me. But you're a leader. God made man a leader. Then why don't you tell your woman, put on clothes? Why don't you tell your wives and your daughters, honey, I don't want you out in the public looking like that. You disgrace yourself and me too. <laughs> but because we have lost the knowledge of ourselves, we take advantage of our women in their savage condition and they take advantage of us in our ignorance. So here we are on the brink of a pit of fire. What is the fire? The fire is not only the anger of white people that is kindled against us, but the fire is the anger of God. Because you and I have not justified our existence on the planet, for God made you to be above a savage. And since you want to act like an animal, then you can't justify being on the earth because God didn't make you to be an animal. So if you want to be an animal, then God is justified in removing all human beings that want to act like animals. And this is why God set a day of doom on this society and the world. You want to be a dog? Then die. Because God didn't make you to be a dog. He made you to be the very reverse of that word. The reverse of a dog is God. He made you to be God.
have let white civilization make us other than ourselves. Can you imagine? It was a dating game show. I guess was flipping the dial. I saw the sister. I didn't know what she was saying, <coughs> but the announcer said that the sister said she didn't feel it was wrong to have sex on the first date or the first date with a strange man. It's not wrong. I just turned the dial away. I said, man, you know, we're in bad shape. <laughs> you don't think nothing of yourself, sister. You don't think nothing of your value as a woman that you would go out with a strange man and the first time you meet that man, you open your knees. That's a shame. And there's no preacher or very few that will preach morality to you because they are afraid if they come down hard on you and me for being immoral, we will leave the church and go to some other preacher that don't preach like that. Well, it's better to have an empty house. you're going to call it a house of God, then those within that house ought to respect God and respect the laws of God. Weak, cowardly preachers, keeping our people in this savage condition. If you were on the brink of a pit of fire, and Allah saved you from it. Whoa, oh, that's so wonderful. Allah stepped in. How did you save us from the fire, God? I united your hearts and you became brethren. Now, <coughs> with what white folk have put on us, it's gonna take God to unite our hearts. See, not our skin color. That only lasts a minute. You black, I'm black, dude, so what? That's my, that's my black brother. That's my black sister. Now that sounded good in the 60s, but it won't work in the 90s. Cause being color brother is no brother at all the only way we can become brothers is, as, is if Allah unites our hearts now how do you unite my heart with your heart I mean, you mean my physical heart that, that's a pump that beats so many beats per minute no the heart 
is the core of the brain. It is that place from which all of the issues of life come forward. If God is going to unite our hearts, he's going to unite us in the deepest aspect of our being that the thoughts that we think out of which come our actions will be pure then we can become brothers real brothers and there's nothing more powerful than for us to become a real solid brotherhood and sisterhood you don't become that by joining the mosque or joining the church where they call you hey brother this is brother james this is brother joe this is sister susie this is sister millie hey, hey. now they call us that brother but now we have to purify the heart in order that we might be a real brotherhood. Now, God came to make us brothers. So the most important aspect of the mission is to make us brothers one to another, sisters one to another. That's the most important aspect of the mission. Only when the issues of the heart are straightened out, you will do by your brother as you would have your brother do by you. Then love can flow as a result of your righteous conduct but you can't love one another if you won't do right by one another there can be no love without righteousness some of us say there's not enough love in the mosque. Or, there's not enough love among the sisters. There's not enough love among the brothers. What are you talking about? Do you think love is some empty word that you can say, I love you and that's it? Love is no punctified emotion. Love is the enactment of righteous principles carried into practice. I love you and then lie. I love you and then cheat. I love you and you call me to do work for you and I do half the work but demand all the money. I love you. But I'm unfaithful to my commitment to you. I love you. I was on a radio show the other night from New York. And Bob Law 
was questioning me about our book, <coughs> The Torchlight. And I said, when Elijah Muhammad was among us, it was so easy to say the white man is the devil. And black folk could readily see the evil of white people against us. And some even then would not admit he was wicked. But to go in the black community today and say that the white man is the devil, people run you out of there. They say, what the hell you mean the white man is the devil? Is that nigga there that stole my stereo? That nigga there shot my baby. That nigga there is a gangbanger, killed my mother. much evil in the black community today that the devil is no longer really the white man. The devil is you, a black devil wreaking hell and havoc on your own self and on your own community. And this is why the work of Jesus was so important because the work of Jesus was to cast devils out of the people. And we got so many devils in us, brothers and sisters. There ain't no use in looking at white people no more. We know they're evil. But what about yours? What about mine? What about ours? When are we going to deal with the evil of our own selves? Because it's that evil that's keeping our hearts from being united. It is that evil that stems the flow of love from the heart for one another. The scripture says we can tell that we have passed from death into life because we love the brotherhood. But if you don't love one another, you're still dead. And you can't love one another if you're not doing right by one another. So look, brothers. Even in the little gangs, you got to have some principle that you're going to live by. And when you offend that principle, the gang will discipline you. But even your gang camaraderie will never be strong as it could be or should be until you decide to do right by one another. Well, I don't you know. I, I do right. I, I, I do lots of right. Like what? When you sleep with your brother's wife, is that right? How can a man love you, you sleeping with his wife? Tell me that. How can sister love you, you sleeping with her husband? I, 
I love you, sister. But I love your husband more. <laughs> I love you, brother. I sure love your wife, too. You will never, ever, ever have a brotherhood that is worthy of respect and honor, and you will never have power in your brotherhood except to the extent that you are willing to practice righteousness. The word righteousness scares people. You know what I mean? So when you start doing right, your friends say, what's wrong with you? Think about that. I just stopped smoking. I don't want reefer no more. What's wrong with you, man? You don't want to get high with me? I don't want to sell crack cocaine no more. I don't want to kill my family no more. Hey, man, you sick or something? Let me take you to a doctor, man. You all right? There's something wrong in our community that when somebody strives to do what is right, the people who say they love them persecute them the most because they show up their own mothers and fathers sisters and brothers by being the first in the family to make a declaration to do what's right. Mommy, I'm not going to smoke no more. Listen, you got to die from supper. <laughs> Mommy, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to cuss anymore. Huh? Keep going. I know you're sick now. And I'm not going to fornicate anymore. Now, I know you crazy. Because the world has gone so low down that righteousness is a needle in the haystack. But righteousness is real power. You want power? Do right. You want to be able to attract people? Be right. And the more righteous you are, even the wicked will show respect for you because the nature of our people, even though they are wicked, they are the righteous by nature. So I say to all Muslims in here, I don't ever want you to hear a Christian say he or she's a Christian and you say they're not one of us. Or because a brother calls himself a gangster disciple or an ill rooker or whatever name they want to call themselves. That's their business. But the best Noah came and the question was asked how many Muslims are there in North America 
And at the time of that writing, the answer was a little over 17 million. Did I hear you say that some of the 17 million do not know that they are Muslims? Yes, sir. Well, if they don't know who they are, somebody has the responsibility to teach them. But don't mistreat them because they don't claim to be what you claim to be. <coughs> they asked me on the radio, how many Muslims are there? I laughed. I said, between 30 and 40 million in America. Well, 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 what you mean? I said, every black man and woman is by nature born of the righteous. And whether they are practicing righteousness or not, they are born by nature the righteous. They are all Muslims, every one of them. Now, what's the difference between one who professes and one who is it by nature but doesn't know it? I've seen many good men and women in the church. And I know that Allah is not going to say, I'm not going to let them in to the kingdom because they haven't confessed that they are Muslims. That's our stupidity that we want to put on God. I don't care what the label is. We've got to be able to look beyond the label to find the spirit of the person. Then you found your brother. I know what we say. I'm a Muslim. I know we confess that. But what's the spirit of you? What's the real energy of your life? It haven't got there yet with many of us. And so black people in America stand on the brink of a pit of fire. And Allah said, I saved past tense you from it. And I united your hearts and you became brethren. Last week, in Washington, D.C., at the Congressional Black Caucus, they had a symposium, or what they call a town hall meeting, with Reverend Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Ben Chavis, Maxine Waters, the chairman of the Black Caucus, Brother Kwaisi and Fumi, and Brother Farrakhan. I was not in the best spirit because more than white folk telling black leaders that Farrakhan can't speak at the march on Washington. That's not something to get upset about, but it's, it's really deeper than that. 
when the Caucasian can say to us, if you let Farrakhan in, I'm pulling out and taking my money with me. And we bow. It ain't about a speech now. Because that enemy knows that if we kill Farrakhan, all of these won't open their mouth because we've already divided them from him. The subject that day was the meaning of race in America. I don't know whether anybody there really addressed the subject other than myself. Because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is the most profound teacher than those who are the students of great teachers, but their teachers did not give them the root of things. My subject is still a call for unity. Did you know that there never was any such thing as race on this earth until the coming of the Caucasian and the different colors of the human family? We don't have race. We don't call ourselves the black race. That's not a proper name for us. Because races have beginnings and races have ending. When we say we or Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, what is he saying? You got your beginning in me, and your end is in me. But Jesus came to give the people what is called eternal life. What does that mean? Nobody in here is going to live forever. You can follow Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, all of them put together. You're not going to live forever. Eternal life does not mean that you stay around here forever, forever, forever. You get tired of looking at the same thing forever. Some of you tired of looking at your wife and you just had her six months. And she didn't tell you, but she was tired of you at three months. Imagine what it would look like looking at the sun, moon, and stars forever. And the cycle of life just keeps turning and turning, and you still looking at the same thing, the same thing, over and over. Oh, no, 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 no. It don't mean that, brother. It doesn't mean that, sister. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that we are the creators 
nation. We are direct descendants of God himself. The nature of God is Islam. And the nature of the black man is Islam. It is the nature in which all black people have been created. We are all direct descendants of the God himself. We never refer to ourselves as race. We refer to ourselves as a nation. And that nation is from everlasting to everlasting. This time that we live in is called a vacuum in our history. And you know what a vacuum is? Where there is no water, no air, is considered a vacuum. Where there is no water, there is no life. Where there is no air, there is no life. So this period in the history of the original nation is a period that is called death. In the Quran, it is called a transitory life. We lived infinity before, we'll live an infinity after, but we're passing through this that is called death, a period of transition. Listen carefully now. The life of this world is a life of sport and play. The serious life of God has no sport in it and no play in it. Are you listening? Some of the sisters and brothers say, my life was short. I didn't really have a youth, a childhood. I had to work. I was out in the fields in Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia picking cotton as a boy four years old. I really didn't have any childhood. We didn't have a Christmas tree, toys and gifts under the tree. We didn't have all shut up. You sound like white people. You know what? God never meant for you to have a stupid childhood. Sitting around telling each other nursery rhymes. Jack and Gill went up the hill to beg a pail of water. Sitting your children down looking at some stupid Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse and Daffy Duck and all this kind of foolishness. When in reality there ain't no duck that can talk, no rat that can talk and walk. You understand what I'm saying? You don't teach your children unreality. That's why they can't face reality now, because you've been teaching them nursery rhyme for all their life. Get away from this foolishness. kindergarten at six years old sitting around playing TVT real school 
starts when the baby is forming in the womb. You want a serious creation, not a fool child. The world is under white rule and white rule is so contrary to God's rule but that's what God permitted. In the Quran it says we made you into tribes and families. We gave you colors and hue. We who? The Muslims say Allah. Well, that's true. But Allah who? Why, if God is one, would he use the soft pronoun we and say we made you, not created you, but made you into tribes? Why didn't he use the word we created you? Because made is not created. What is made is from that which is created. Listen good now. You are a created people. But that which came from you is made. You are the essence and they come from the essence and that's why they're called mankind. They're not original man, they are a kind or a species from the original. Are you listening? Follow me along. We won't be long, just listen. We made you into tribe. We who? The original people. We gave you hues and color. We who? The original people. We didn't have no white man on the earth. No brown, no red, no yellow man. These are all new people. And they are races. R-A-C-E-S, races. They have a beginning. But they also have an ending. Isn't this wonderful to know? And let's look at this. Wait, 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 this. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, we original people from ourselves made color. Black is not a color. You don't call black a color. Black is the essence from which color comes. Oh, oh, all right then. So don't call yourself colored people. Cause didn't nobody color you. To color means to change from your original state. So the colored man can't be you, the colored man is the white man. He has been changed altered from his original state. This is your lessons, don't look surprised.
He's changed from the original state. The original is you. And he's mankind. A species from you that looks like you. You gave him head, heart, arm, hand. He didn't have no form. He got his form from you, original man. Now he looks just something like you. Not quite you. He looked like you. And you don't even realize he keeps studying you to learn more about you as well as himself. See, he's not a natural musician. Music comes naturally up out of you. When I say not natural, I mean, I don't mean to imply that he can't be born to do these things. But most things that they learn, they learn from the creativity of the original. And then they operate on that creativity and give it their name. You're the origin of everything. And frightened now to think you can't exist without white people. That's sad. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that the white race was made to rule. Stop right there. Has white people ruled? Yes, they have. Did they rule? They sure ruled us. Still do. Do they rule Africa? Still do. They rule the world, brother. Give it to them. You don't have to give it to them. God gave it to them. They rule. Let us make a man in our image and after our likeness. And let us give them power and dominion. Well, it was given to him. He's ruling. He's boss. Everywhere he go, he has power to name things. And he names everything. And he named you. Called you Negro. And then you fought him so you could spell it with a capital N. <laughs> Called you nigger. Called you James and Johnson and Smith and O'Reilly and Culpepper. He, he, he named it. He named this America, didn't he? He named that Africa. He named that South America. Oh, he just naming things. He go out and see a new star, he names it. He, that's him. He the boss, he names things. And make you call it after his name. Although you knew it was him. Not you. But some of our fathers, they know all of that. And then some. But it wasn't our time to rule. It was his time, so two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. 
So in order for him to rule, we had to go to sleep so he could rule. White folk can't rule if you wide awake. And that's why they work hard to keep you asleep. Because the only way they can stay in power is if you stay asleep. It's true, brother. Once you wake up, you know what this is like? Have you ever fallen asleep while your children are wide awake? What condition is the house in when you wake up? When you wake up, brother, sister, you say, oh, no. They moved the living room into the kitchen. The kitchen into the living room, the bathroom is right by your bed. They tore the house up. When you get up, first thing, who did this? Well, you know who did it, they're your children. You left them in the house. Now what you gotta do is snatch them, bring some order, <coughs> spank their butts, organize them to clean up the mess that they made. How many of you have had that experience? Raise your hand. Well, you gotta do that all over again, brother. You gotta wake up first, because the earth is in a mess. Isn't it? In the earth in a mess? Who did it? Your children did. Mankind did. But them are your babies. You can cuss them out if you want them. But if you made them, what, what, what have you got to say? Now that devil did it. That devil did it. That who did it? That devil. That devil. Well, who made it? Well, if you made him, who's responsible? Well, all right, then let's get up and get on our toes. We got work to do, black man. We got work to do. them out if you want them but if you made them what what, what have you got to say now that devil did it that devil did it. that who did it that devil that devil well who made it well if you made him who's responsible well all right then let's get up and get on our post we've got work to do black man we got work to do <laughs> So the white race gave new meaning to race. And what did they do? They couldn't rule with the original teaching. They made a teaching that suited their nature. And what was that teaching? White supremacy. White supremacy. They had a, a tactic that they would use that would keep them in power. Every one of our people say it. The white man divides and conquers. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Is that his tactic? 
Has he used it effectively? But you were on the brink of a pit of fire, and Allah saved us from it, and you ignited our hearts. But if our hearts become united, then the rule of the Caucasian is broken forever. If he cannot divide us anymore, he loses power. You don't need to go buy a gun. You need to get your head together because if your heart can be united from that day on, you command, you don't demand nothing. You say be. And it is because the power is with you when your hearts are united. Look at it now. So beloved, Caucasian people went throughout the earth giving meaning to white race. We're the white race, we're superior. And they enforce their superiority by their accomplishments. You sleep, what can you do sleep? But drink. I have a drink. Wake up, man. Because you can't even make your dream real as long as you're dreaming. I have a dream means I am fast asleep. <laughs> yes! Fast asleep in the dead of the night. And while you and I are sleeping, white folk doing things building things and got you sleepwalking. Put that there. Yes, yes, yes. Put this here. Yes, yes. Do this. Do that. Yes, 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 yes. And when you look around, say, man, how that skyscraper get there? You helped put it there. But you didn't put it there for yourself. You put it there for him. You haven't done nothing for yourself. You picked cotton for him, not for yourself. You grew tobacco for him. You farmed for him. You fought for him. You died for him. Damn it. When are you going to stop doing these things for yourself? White folk got all the scholars together and they wrote books on how you were inferior. All black people are inferior. Look at the, the way their skull is made. Look at this, look at that. Look at this, no, look at this, oh, this is inferior. And we had to go to school and learn this mess. And you imagine you coming out with a doctorate degree in inferior thinking. Check this out. <laughs> Check this out. You got your degree now. The only way you superior is with black people. You know who I am? I'm Dr. Zerzer. 
When you go to white folks that have a master degree or even a BS, you can't play the superior game because white folks know how to check you. study from them has never adequately prepared you to deal with their superior thinking and your inferior attitude toward yourself. So Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if the white man can make you feel that you are inferior, then you're going to act inferior. And that's why a sister could stand up and say, yeah. With pride, I'm a female dog with problems. And this is why the brother can say with impunity, yeah, I call them bees and holes because that's what they are. That's the way they act. Wrong. That's what they have been made. So if they were made that, then somebody can unmake it and remake it. So here comes the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gives new meaning to race. Thank God for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad who taught us that we are not black because we're cursed. We're black because we're the original people of the earth. That makes sense. Don't tell me I'm some son of Ham who is from Noah. Noah is a Johnny come lately, brother. I'm a Hamitic people. And you go along with that because you're studying uh, anthropology. And the anthropological term for you is the Hamitic people. And you're going to come out of college with your degree and telling us about we are the Hamitic. Shut up! Don't bring that stupidness to us with your degree madness. Before there was a Ham or a Noah, or an Abraham or an Adam. We were. So don't call me after no Johnny come lately. I am from God and I am from the beginning and no cracker can define me by no landmass. I'm an African, I'm an Asian, the hell with all of that. I am God. Well, Farrakhan, I just, are you getting carried away? No! No, I'm not getting carried away. The Bible says, ye are all gods, children of the most high God. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and a government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful. 
counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, and of the increase of his government of peace, there shall be no end. Yet he's a man born. Your gods just lesser than the most high. But you don't know how to be yourself until you are taught. Then when you are taught the knowledge of God, male and female, you can rise up and fulfill your destiny. So when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad began talking to us like this, he gave new meaning to race. Said that race has a beginning, race has an ending. White folk, <coughs> maybe you ain't ready for this, but I gotta tell it to you anyway. <laughs> there ain't gonna be no race in the next world. There'll be people in the next world that have color but race won't be there. And the only way they'll be there, the book says, you must be born again. You say, well, how can I enter back into my mother's womb for the second time? You can't. But since you came out of the original nation, then you must go back into the original nation in order to see the next world. You came from infinity, you were master in the transitory life. Now if you want to go into the life that is to come, then you got to give up race. You got to give up white supremacy. You got to die to live in that world. That's hard for white folks. And I tell you, it's hard for you too. Because you got to be born again too. Because see, they made you a nigga. Colored boy. Shine, ham. Non-productive. Nothing. They made you female dogs with problems. That's not what God made you. So if that's what you are, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And that's why this Christ figure is so important. He's not a white man. He comes from the original nation. That's what makes him such a peculiar fella because he has hair like lamb's wool, feet like burnished brass. He comes to his own, but his own don't receive him. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness can't understand it because one of their own comes to save them from the sins of white people. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave new meaning to race so that we could end racism forever. How do you end racism? 
You teach the truth about how it began. You know, when white folk hear that they are not from monkeys and apes, they're from us. It messes them up. But they can't disprove it because their scholars and scientists know that the white man came from the original black man. So now when, when you talk like this and you know what you're talking about, they back right up. That, that, that's right. They'll tell you, that, that's right, Mr. Farrakhan. That's right, Mr. Muhammad. We, we, we know. We know. But now you gotta end racism. You, you, you. Racism only lives because you are still dead. White supremacy lives because you are dead. You allow white people to continue to think evil of you. You allow it. We allow it. What do you mean, Farrakhan? You know, the early Greeks, when they studied from our fathers, you wouldn't find them calling our fathers nigger. When they learn medicine, law, science, government from our fathers, they don't call you nigger if you don't act like that. They may not know what to call you. You know, it's true, brothers. They will respect you if you learn how to respect yourself. You don't have to say, you better respect me. I mean, white folk, maybe you could knock them down, you know, but that's not where it's at, man. You can hit him, knock him down, you just get his brother, the judge. <laughs> Once he takes you in the court, man, it's over. Because that's his brother. He hit you? Yes. He called me white trash and smacked me. <laughs> and his brother judge says, three years. And his brother judge got power to tell you, bro, when you in Cook County Jail, or wherever they send you, you gotta go. So knocking a man down with your fist, that's not where it's at, brother. You getting your little pop gun that he made, and you got the little gun, now you feel invincible. I feel invincible. That psyched you out, man. Little gun shoot 30 times. Man said, I don't want no six shooter. I don't want nothing to shoot six times. I got to have something to shoot 30 times. Well, hell, after that, then what? See, white folks sell you that, and you feel invincible till you see what he come with. <laughs> see, you invincible to poor Sam that lives next door. 
or old black Joe that lives around the corner. You invincible to them. But when white folk come in your neighborhood with a tank and fly over your neighborhood with those deadly helicopters, you don't feel invincible with your little piece that shoot 30 times. You dead then, brother. And that's what you're facing now. You've been set up to die. And, you, and they're programming America and the world to accept your slaughter as a bunch of animals that white folk got rid of. They put menace to society all over the world. And that's the way the world sees you, as a menace. And when they get rid of you, the world will do this. Thank God they got rid of those mad dogs, the menaces to society, them crazy gang-banging niggas. You on the brink of a pit of fire. And only Allah can save us from it. When I spoke in Washington with Jesse, and Reverend Chavis, I'm sorry, Reverend Jackson and Reverend Chavis and Sister Maxine Waters and Brother Kwesi and Fumi. When we agreed that we would go in a back room, which I can't wait to get in. And in that back room, we would talk to each other and come out of that back room, hopefully. Brothers, do you know what kind of hope that will inspire in black people just to see the leaders united? Because if the leaders can unite, then they can call into unity a fragmented body of people. And that day when Reverend Jackson and um, Sister Maxine Waters and Farrakhan and, and Reverend Chavis and Kwesi and Fumi, when we embraced each other, which you see on the front page of the final call, the place went up in smoke. The hope of the people was we would unite. Whenever our people sit down with white people, do you know we sit down at a table already losers? We don't sit down with any real strength. You remember when Push called the boycott of Nike? Huh? We were going to stop doing what? Buying Nike shoes. And Nike just waited on us. Nicey Nike. And after six months, less than that, two, three months, we had worn out. Brothers and sisters were going in store buying them Nikes left and right. Because the leaders were not together. When they called the boycott, they really had no real 
power. So when they sat down to negotiate, they did not negotiate from a position of strength. The march on Washington was paid for by Jews and the Union. Can you believe that? So if the NAACP, and I think the NAACP put some money in it too, but the persons that put up the strongest money had the strongest voice. So when they said Farrakhan is not going to speak, and the union went along with it, even though Reverend Chavis didn't mind my speaking, he, he didn't mind. Reverend Jackson said he didn't mind either. They don't mind, but they ain't got no juice. So don't tell me you don't mind the brother speaking, but the brother never speaks. That means you don't have no juice. And you didn't care enough to say, well, if he don't speak, we don't speak. Then I would have spoken. If we just had the strength to say, take your money and go. But remember, we're going to tell all those people out there why you did it. They sit back down at the World Parliament of Religion. The Jews told the Anglo-Saxons, look, we don't want Farrakhan here. Some of my Muslim brothers said they don't want me there. But the African-American Post Committee, these are preachers. They stood up. Said, Farrakhan speaks for us. We invited him, and we are not going to disinvite him no matter who don't like Farrakhan. Let's give him a hand. Yes, they were strong. Reverend Addie Wyatt of Vernon Park Baptist Church. A Dr. Brady and the Reverend Dr. Finney. They stood firm. And the, some of the Jews shook their finger in their faces, insulted them. But they stood firm. Farrakhan speaks. They said, well, if he speaks, we're pulling out. They said, well, pull out. And they pulled out. Farrakhan spoke. You need to get the speech. It's available. There were mostly whites in the audience. They went off just like you. I spanked them. We taught them. We shook them. And they loved it. And when it was over, you should have seen white men falling on me, crying. White women too. But my wife was there watching everything.
I mean, they were coming up, can I just hug you? I say, if you want to. Can I kiss you? That boy about getting up. <laughs> but in truth, they came and they loved the message. Far beyond race, far beyond color, they loved the truth. And the next day, one of the young 19-year-old Sikh youth, not Sikh youth, Sikh, S-I-K-H, H-K, this is a branch of the Hindu faith. The young man heard me on the Thursday night and said, Brother Farrakhan, we're having the world youth is presenting a program tomorrow night. We have no speaker on the program. No speaker was to be on the program, but I, as president, feel that the world youth should hear your message. That you are the only one that I feel the youth can relate to. This is the world's youth now. After I thought on it, I told Sister Claudette, tell them I will come. The young man, when they heard that Farrakhan was gonna speak, did you know there was a bomb threat. And they called that young boy's room twice and said, if Farrakhan speaks, we're going to kill you. Can you believe that? That young boy went to his mother and father and told them of the threats. And the mother and father said, son, God is in control here. And if Farrakhan is to speak, none can stop him from speaking. Go on with your program, son. And Farrakhan came. And Farrakhan spoke. Just about 12 minutes, no more than 15. And the head of the Sikh religion in the world sitting there. There were people from the Jain religion, this is Asia, Taoism, Shintoism, Judaism, Brahmanism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Islam, Christianity, Native American, Zoroastrianism, all the religions of the world just about were represented there. And when it was over, they said, this man has something. The youth of the world responded to me just like you responded today. Now, why am I saying this? Because Kweisi and Fume of the Congressional Black Caucus. Now there are 40 members of that caucus. 
These are some brilliant black brothers and sisters. But the, but the, the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus stated in front of the whole world, let the word go forth to friend and foe alike. We have entered into a sacred covenant with the NAACP and we want the world to know that we will enter into a sacred covenant with the nation of Islam. Now, he said, never again shall we let an outsider tell us who we can have in our family. Well, when the word went out, the next day the papers, Congressional Black Caucus, Covenant with Nation of Islam, that went all over the world. Then when the members of the Jewish community heard it, they went off and they hit their Negroes to Say something, for God's sake, say something. So Clarence Page of the Chicago Tribune, who I really believe is a super Negro, super, super Negro. This brother, and I say the word brother in quotes, this super Negro, he never calls me. He never would say, Farrakhan, what is your position? Why don't you do this and why won't you do that? He doesn't call me, he doesn't ask questions of me, he just writes. And to please who? Evidently, some other Negro in Washington, and he's, he was, he's a pretty nice guy. He writes, unity or coalition building. You see, most black leaders have been building coalitions with white folk. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen now, there are some white groups that you might want to build a coalition with. There's nothing wrong with that. You look for whoever is going to be your ally when you got an enemy. Huh? You wouldn't think that Hirohito and Tojo would be an ally to Adolf Hitler. They didn't necessarily like each other, but they hated America. They hated England. So they became what you may call allies, and they formed an alliance. But what's wrong with us and our coalitions we enter into coalitions from positions of weakness, then we get taken over in the coalition and we end up not being who we thought we were when we went in it. We don't sit down with nobody in a coalition and lose yourself. I'm, I'm for coalition building, but before we start coalescing with somebody else, seems to me that charity begins at home. Let us form the alliance.
Let us form a black united front of all black leaders and organizations. Let us recognize that our people are on the brink of a pit of fire. And if we can go in a room and iron out our differences and then come before the world and say we are united, then somebody want to have a coalition with us, we sit down with them from a position of strength. Then nobody dictates to us which way we go. Now, most of our brothers don't have no money. These organizations are poor, poor, poor. Well, the nation of Islam is not rich. No, we ain't poor. Hello. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just want to say this. White folk don't give me no money. They don't give me no money. When I go to speak on a college campus, you know what they tell the students? We're not giving Farrakhan nothing out of the student funds. You know what the students gotta do? They gotta make tickets and raise the money. And you know what? There's never been a student group that invited me that lost money. They all made money off of Farrakhan. And the white administrators bugged out. Excuse my language, I, it went off. I'm saying that to say, they don't support me. You know who supports me? You do. And you know what? You made me the freest black man on at a free man. You looking at a man that don't have no boss but God and his price. That's my master. I ain't got no other boss. When I meet the kings of the earth, a king is meeting a king. A president is meeting a president. mistake about it. I don't have to bow down to nothing on the earth because God has raised us up. A free black man. Don't you want to be free? Oh man. You remember that song? I wish that I knew what it means to be free. Hey, I can, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you, brother. I get up in the morning when I get ready. 
and I'm always ready between 2 and 5 a.m. I'm up. I've accomplished more between 2 and 5 than some people accomplish all day long. But I don't have to get up. Some mornings I might lay there till 6. And that's called a late morning for me. You will never catch me in the bed at 7 and 8 unless I'm sick. And that's so rare, don't even worry about it. I'm free, man. I go where I want to go. Like I want to go. So good. If I choose to walk, I got good shoes. If I choose to ride, I got a good car. If I choose to fly, I can fly the best that they got. If I choose to go real fast, I get on the Concorde. Do what I want to do. Go where I want to go. And most important of all, I say what I've got to say, and nobody can bridle my tongue. I'm a free man. I'm a free man. You never find me going to white people begging. Now can I get you? Now give me some. Now can I get? Now give me some. Oh no. My father, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, Brother, he said, as long as the hearts of my people are with me, I will never go to the bank and the bank will tell me insufficient funds. We got a people of over 30 million that have a spending power of $300 billion a year. What kind of leader are you that you are poor, ragged, hungry, naked and out of doors and you don't know how to ask your bank? Go anywhere in America and ask them who your heart is with. They'll tell you I'm with Farquhar. <laughs> well, I don't need no cracker for his money. I really don't need no Arabic. I got what I want. I got a lot the messenger, the truth, and I got 40 million brothers in America, I got them in the Caribbean, I got them in South America, I got them in Africa, and they're rising up every day. I want you to be free like me. It ain't good for me to be free and you not free.
I don't want you beholden to no man. God got to be sufficient for you. I don't like no punk for a man. I don't like no man that allow a woman to rule him. I don't like it, brother. A woman tell you, well, if you don't do this, you're out of luck with me. Tell her. Out of luck then, baby. will take her place she don't want to be your ruler and when you let her become your ruler you nothing but a boy and a chump and she know you her child she didn't want to marry no damn child she wanted a man she wanted a husband she didn't want a big old grown, snotted nose, funky smelling Negro. She wanted a man. Snibbling tongue. I'm in love. I can't help myself. I just love her so much. God made many more than her. And what she got, somebody else got something too. You don't get tied down to no woman like that. You get tied up with God like that. Don't you ever let Farrakhan hear you singing these foolish songs. I can't get along without you, baby. I might walk up to you and smack the hell out of you. Pump. Where is it? I can't have it. I just it. You've got to have God in your life. And when God is powerful in your life, you don't have no problem like that. When I told those Jewish rabbis, I said, if you come against me, as long as I stand with God and stand on truth, I'm going to be the winner. See, no, no, no little lightweight nigga talk like that. I ain't crazy. I know I ain't got no power of myself, but I got backup. I ain't got to call, you know, 911. I 
call on my God. I got back up and I got juice with God. You understand what I'm saying, brother? You know when you got juice with God, God will kick your enemy's backside for you. When you got juice, you got juice, man. You don't even know you got juice with God. You just got to know how to call it. His proper name is Allah. When you go home, just turn your face to the east. And if you don't know where the east is, to hell with it. He's in every direction. Call on it. Call on it. He'll answer you tonight. Call on it. Say, oh Allah, I want a job. Oh Allah, help me to make a job for myself. Don't doubt him when you call him. Your answer will be right there. Sisters, I don't like you to be beholden to man. You get in love with some no good chump beating the hell out of you. Give you babies one after another and don't feed a damn one of them. And you talking about, I, I can't leave him because who, who gonna look after me with all these children? Shut up! God is sufficient. Walk out on him. If he ain't worthy for you, walk out and leave him in his filth. Don't let nothing, nobody control you but God. No man. No man, unless that man is in God. I'm telling you what that do. If you don't do it, I'll whoop your so-and-so. Well, hey, you be swinging it there, baby. Cause I'm out of here. Don't allow yourself to be controlled like that. Women controlling men with sex, men controlling women with sex. That's crazy as hell. It's good loving. You just a fool. Ain't no damn loving good if it ain't good to you. Hello. You want to be free? I want you to be free. And it's something when you can say there is no God but Allah. Ooh, that's power, that's power, brother. Sleep can't get to me. I can't let sleep take me down. I can't let nothing have power over my life but God. Isn't that wonderful? Brothers, in my conclusion, The Jews say they're going to Washington. 
to meet with the Congressional Black Caucus to try and frighten them. They had a private conversation on the telephone. The ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, with Kwesi and Fume. He has a right to meet with anybody that requests a meeting. But then they put a press release out. We meet. Because you know what they believe? They believe that the stuff they're going to put on him, he'll back down and the press is going to be there. And when he comes out of the meeting, he'll come out sheepish. After consideration of all of the things that happened today, we don't think we will have any sacred covenant with the nation of Islam. And you let them punk you out like that, be through. But on the other hand, his brother is strong, and he'll only be strong if we help him to be strong. They're going to meet on Wednesday. We got to write letters and let him know, brother, we stand with you. We stand with the caucus. We got to remain united as a family. Don't let the cracker divide us anymore. Don't let it happen. And if they can't do it, you'll see them come out with their tail between their legs. The Bible says, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. You got any ability to resist? Have you got it? Will you use it? Ain't no pep rally. But if you got some pep out of it, it's good. Beloved family, let us work on our hearts, clean up our actions toward one another. When you speak to your brother, Speak straight words. Let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay. Don't tell your brother, I'm going to do this, and you don't even intend to do it. Don't tell your sister, loan me $5, I'll pay you back on the weekend, and the weekend never comes. Let your word be your bond. And if we can clean up our actions just with each other and be righteous in our dealing one with another, then love will pour out of the heart for the brother to his brother. And when one brother aches, all of us will feel it and he won't ache anymore because all of us will come to his or her aid. That's what salvation is. It's brotherhood where you're never left alone. You don't need insurance policies. 
Insurance policy is all right if you're alone. The white man sell you death insurance. They call it life insurance. Make you afraid you're going to die and you're going to leave your family with nothing. Here, sign here. And every week, we'll take a blood test. We're going to make sure you're in the best health of your life. So we'll get money from you for the next 20 years. And then when you die, the benefit will go to some members of your family. And they'll give you another little funeral and send you away and fight each other over what is left. But in Africa, when you're part of a community, you don't worry. <coughs> Insurance ain't never a problem. Because the grave will always hold you. There's always some earth to put you in. That's the way they do it in Africa. And everybody in the tribe, they come. They bring food. They help you bear your grief. You know, this is the way our community must be. I'm not telling you not to have insurance. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, because we ain't built the brotherhood that strong yet. But when the brotherhood is strong, we'll never have that again. Ain't no cracker gonna come sell us insurance. But we ain't gonna burn our property down. We're gonna keep it up. Catch you with a match in the wrong time in the wrong place. You may need insurance. The time is coming when we'll say to our brother, Mr. Skywalker and others, brother, you can't do that anymore. We have to be strong enough to say that. The time is coming when we'll tell you, you ain't gonna talk like that anymore in front of our women. The time is coming. And we'll come right up on the stage and take care of business. I'm telling you, we're going to stop your show. Whoop your behind. And if you resist, we'll put a real righteous hurting on you. That time is coming. We're not going to take this filth too much longer. Sisters, you're going to have to put on some clothes. The time is coming. We see you hanging out in the street late at night. We're gonna come right up to you. What you doing out here? Where you live? Ain't none of your business where I live. You ain't paying my rent. Mop, 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 mop. walk around us with no hot pants on. We're going to say to your sister, we don't want that. I said, well, who the hell you niggas think you is? I said, we the new policemen. And there will be peace in the valley for me someday. You ain't gonna sell no drugs now, brother. The penalty is death. 
You ain't gonna pimp our women. The penalty is death. You're not gonna molest our babies. The penalty is death. You're not gonna kidnap a mother's child. The penalty is death. And it will be carried out on everybody who breaks the law. And watch what I tell you, brother. We don't give a damn about what the white man thinks. Listen to this. Listen. Listen. It's coming. It's coming, brothers. It's coming. It's coming. One day soon, it's coming. And white folk gonna let us patrol our own community. They gonna say we can't do nothing with them niggas. Y'all got it? I'm whizzing. And the whiz gonna whiz out of town with his green glasses and leave you there in the ghetto with your brothers who love you but want to see peace in the hood. No drugs in the hood, no killing of your brother in the hood. No, we're going to make our own neighborhood a decent place to live. When you think that's going to happen, Farrakhan, one day, when we get strong enough, and I'll tell you when that'll be, when 50% of the people in the, in, the, in the community are with me, and 25% are sympathetic, it's over. God's law become the law. Yeah. God's law become the law. Yeah. That's terrible. But you know what? You ain't gonna have to do much. The brothers out there selling drugs, even if it's your son or mine, and we execute them. See, if all of us are together, what the white man gonna say? He gonna say nothing. Millions of us on the south side and west side, if we say, Ain't gonna be no more drug. What the hell we care about the white man, what he think? Ain't gonna be no drug. That's it. And when we kill them, we ain't killing them in secret. Gonna be out in the open for everybody to see. Not with no pistol. You separate your head from your body. Because see, neither you nor me is more valuable than the people. And if you and I offend what is in the best interest of the people, we ought to forfeit our life for the good of the people. See? 
When you execute somebody that's worthy of it, the people should say, Allahu Akbar. God is great. And if God is great, and you see your brother's head roll, you say, oh. right can't be no lenience you're gonna be taught first but after you and I are taught better there has to be some enforcement now the only people in here that don't like this are those that doesn't mm, mean I hope not, because I love you. I love myself. I don't want to fall victim to this. I don't believe we'll have to do that, because some of you going to be the enforcers too. Because it ain't going to be worth nothing unless we all enforce it. We ain't going to court downtown. He hit me. We have our own community court. Hey, white folks, this is our business. We take care of this. Y'all go back downtown. We got this. What you say he did? He took what? Your stereo? See, brothers. Let me tell you, we are a great people, but we'll never realize how great we are until a strong law is applied to make us even stronger. And every one of us can live under God's law. It's not oppressive. It is fair as long as it's administrated fairly can't be your son and not mine. It can't be brother and not the reverend or the teacher. I fall victim to the law, I go with the rest of them. That's the way it gotta be. Ain't that right? You agree with that? Even if you don't. Even if you don't, if the majority agree, we're gonna clean up our community. Sisters, you need to live in a safe community. You need to rear your children in a safe community. White folk don't care how much we kill each other. But we have to care, don't we? So all the preachers, imagine all of us uniting like this. Satan can't come between us no more. Ooh. Free black men and women. Ooh. You know how strong you're going to be? You don't need no gun there. Think of how many million of us is in the city. We could stop the traffic forever. Do you know what our united 30 or 40 million can do in America? We don't even need 30 or 40 million. One million of us in Chicago, we turn the whole country around. 
Do you know who you are, black man in Chicago? You the baddest black people on earth. Right here in Chi-Town. On the west side and the south side. You tough people. Come on back to God, man. And let God be number one in your life. And don't fear nothing, no one but God. And start cleaning up your life and cleaning up how you relate to one another. The last thing I say is don't lie to yourself, to your brother. Don't lie. Lie is a terrible thing. And brothers and sisters, one Sunday I'd like to come out here and teach you just the power of destruction that is involved in a lie. My mother used to beat me worse for the lie I told than for the wrong thing I did. How many of you had mamas like that, that wear you out for telling lies? You did? My mama wore me out, me and my brother, over a lie. And you know what? What she was instilling in me was the value of truth. And I personally don't feel that I should lie to any man because I can't hide from God so why should I hide from you so I mean it disgraces me to have to cheapen myself to tell a lie if I don't feel that the truth needs to be spoken I will withhold it that's a good point But it ain't necessary to lie. And if you and I would stop lying on one another and lying to one another, you'd be surprised how quick we'll begin to come together. So Muslims, work on being good brothers and sisters. Work on your unity. Christians, work on your unity. Come together. Clean up your act be brotherly and sisterly to each other. And let's start today. Thank you for listening and may Allah bless you. Assalamu alaikum.